0: We thank you that when we were still sinners, you demonstrated that love on Calvary's cross. Shed your precious blood to redeem us, to transform us, to reconcile us to the Father. We stand here this evening as sons and daughters of the living God, free from condemnation, accusation, pure and precious in your sight, because you loved us and you went to that cross because of that love. Jesus, help us to never cease telling others of your great love. And help us to never cease giving you praise and glory for that great love. We love you because you first loved us. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Hallelujah. Good evening. Welcome to Wednesday Night Bible Study. If you have your Bibles, we are in Acts 20. And we are in a short series where the Apostle Paul is giving a farewell address to the elders of the church at Ephesus. He doesn't think he's going to see them again. And so in Acts 20, we have recorded his farewell address. And we said that this address could be broken down into three parts. And we've looked at the first one already. And the first part was the review of the past. And he reviewed how he ministered to them while he was there, and how he sacrificed, and his message, and his, his manner, and his model, and his motive. And he spoke about that. And now we're in the second part where he's talking about the testimony of the present. And what he has in these few verses are six descriptions or six pictures of Paul as a minister. And they're really six descriptions and pictures of you and I as faithful believers. And so that's what we're going to start. We've covered three and hopefully we can finish the last three tonight. But if you would look at verse 22, Acts 20 and verse 22. And Paul says, and now compelled by the spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem not knowing what will happen to me there, I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardship are facing me. Now here come these descriptions that he gives. and We've covered the first three. Verse 24 says, However, I consider or I count. That's the first one. I count my life worth nothing to me. And we said the first picture Paul gives of a minister, he gives as a faithful Christian. One, it's an accountant. It's, um, he put... Life on the scale of the eternal, and he picked Jesus. He weighed everything he did by the fact, what will it matter a hundred years from now? What will it matter when I see the Lord? And he again, he examines his assets, his liabilities, and he decides to put Jesus first. Paul was someone that um, was totally abandoned to Christ. And you and I that serve the Lord, we've weighed everything, we've chosen Jesus. We could have went a different path. We could have made some different decisions. We chose to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. We chose to live for the eternal life, not this present life. Amen? We made an accountant term. We we measured things. We weighed things. And we made a decision. um, As for me and me, I'm going to serve the Lord. Amen? We're going to serve God. And and that's what we did here. So we see, first of all, Paul, as I'm an accountant, Paul says, "I. you think um, I go through a lot? You think I endure a lot? Paul says, no, don't worry about it. What a weight me it'll be worth it all that day amen he goes i've already weighed all this trust me do putting jesus first is the best thing but then secondly look at verse 24 as we continue i consider my life worth nothing to me if only i may finish the race finish the race the second picture he gives us is a runner in a race he goes i want to finish my course I don't want to just say, I ran, but I finished. It doesn't make no, no good to start. You've got to finish, amen? It's no good just to say, well, you know, I served the Lord for um, two-thirds of my life. No, you've got to serve Him the rest of your life and cross that finish line. And, and so Paul, he recognized that. He wanted to f- fight the good fight and finish his race, amen? And while he was running that race, he wanted to grow in God and mature in God and become the one God's called him to be. So the second picture, not only have you and I that are serious about serving the Lord, We've weighed things. We made a decision. Jesus had count the cost, doesn't he? We weighed things. You know, you can have pleasures and wonderful things right here, but what's going to happen a hundred years from now? What's going to happen forever and forever and forever? I'm going to choose the eternal. Amen? But secondly, I want to finish my race. I don't want to be someone that just starts out and crumbles. I want to finish strong for Jesus. He's given me a task to do. I want to finish that task. So we've got an accountant. We've got a a runner in a race. And like Jesus was a finisher, I want to be a finisher. Amen? I want to finish. I, I want to finish. When I see Jesus face to face, I don't want to be ashamed on that day. I want him to say, well done. Amen? I want him to say, well done. All right? And now, the third one, we covered this. Here we go, verse 24. If only I might finish the race and complete the task the Lord has given me. Complete. This is a steward. Every one of us that are believers, God has entrusted to us a life, a gift, opportunities. And I, I want to be faithful to that. And you know, put, We put it like this. His task or his ministry was something he'd received from the Lord. You know, your life is something you've been given. It's a gift from God. Salvation is a gift from God. And now what we do with it is our gift back to God. And so I want to be, this is a picture of a steward. A steward's like a manager. He, he, he owned very little or really nothing, but he was accountable for everything. And everything I have is a gift of God. And one day I'm going to be held accountable for how I used it and how I lived this life. And so just like Paul, you know what? I want to be found faithful. I want to be found faithful. We're not, well, everyone doesn't have the same talents. Everyone does not have the same abilities, but we can all be found faithful it's not so much what are you doing, it's what am I doing, amen? What am I doing with my life and with my gifts? And with the breath I have on this earth, I want to be found faithful. All right, now we get to the fresh stuff. The fourth picture Paul gives us is one of a witness, is one of a witness. We're still in verse 24. I want to complete the task the Lord has given me. Well, what's that task, Paul? It's the task of testifying to the gospel Of God's grace so let's focus on that the end of verse 24 testifying or being a witness now this word we looked at this word back in verse 21 but it means to solemnly testify or declare a truth you have a testimony and you should tell it Paul says another picture of a minister of a faithful Christian you know what we witness to the grace of God we tell others what Jesus has done in our hearts See, this word means to solemnly give witness and it really reminds us because of the language it's used. It reminds us of the seriousness of our testimony and the message and ministry that each one of us has. For instance, all right, y'all watch on the TV and, and they get on um, the, the, the box and raise your right hand and repeat after me. I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. So help me, God. That's a witness. There are. Um, a witness is what's Jesus done in your life? What um, what does Jesus mean to you? To be a witness is to tell what you've experienced. To tell the truth you know. And so every one of us that is a faithful believer, Paul says, you know what? I'm a, I'm a faithful witness. And a witness tells the story about what God's done in their life. You see, it's... Um, Paul was a faithful witness, both in life that he lived. We read that earlier in verse 18, how he lived. He goes, I lived transparent before you, nothing up my sleeve. I lived in a way where you could see me and see that I wasn't a phony. But not just that, also in the message that he preached, in the words that he spoke. It's interesting. He says, I'm I'm giving witness to the gospel of God's grace. That simply means God forgives undeserving sinners through Jesus Christ. Because, you know, every one of us has a testimony. Every one of us um, has to give witness. Every one of us. But no matter what your witness is, and our testimonies come from different places. But whatever it is, there's a common theme in every true believer's testimony, and that's the gospel of grace. The grace of God. Someone might have came out of deep, gross sin, and you're saved, you're totally forgiven, free of condemnation, you're a new creature, you're born again, and how do you do it? By the grace of God. The grace of God opened my eyes. The grace of God drew me. The grace of God woke me up and set me free. Amen? Grace of God. Someone else might say, you know what? I I never did a lot of terrible things. I was very religious. But it was the grace of God that opened up my eyes to make me realize, you know what? My good works aren't good enough. I'm still a sinner and I need a Savior. Finally, it dawned on me, though I'd never done these terrible things other people did, finally, God showed me. Even though I was a good person, I wasn't good enough to get to heaven. It was the grace of God they awoke in my heart to my need of a Savior. So no matter where you're coming from, if you're going to tell your story, you see, you've got to be able to tell your story about what Jesus has done in your life and what He means to you. But no matter what your story is, it has to include the grace of God. The grace of God is a common thread to anyone who truly knows the Lord. Let's look at two quick verses when it comes to being a witness. Being a witness. Again, when, when the police officer interviews witnesses, what do you know? Don't tell them what you heard. Hearsay is no good. Hearsay is no, 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 no. Well, what did you see? What exactly happened to you when Jesus came into your heart? What difference has Jesus made in your life since He said yes to Jesus? We're looking for a witness. Amen? So, so I've to tell the truth, the whole truth, and I'm just telling you what He's done in me. Amen? I don't know about you, but let me tell you what He means to me. Let me tell you why I live like I live. Because I've got, I've got a story to tell. Amen? I can't tell your story, and I don't know how He got through to you. But man, I know how He got through to me. Amen? I know how He's kept me from falling. I know how He's bailed me. I, oh, I can testify. Amen? Well, let's look, number one, very quickly. Two simple scriptures. First Peter 3 and 15. First Peter 3 and 15. We're going to witness. We're going to testify. Part of our role as believers is to tell this world what Jesus has done in our life. Amen? What he means to us and how he's changed us. I mean, if it had not changed you, you're not going to do much for someone else. You no, know, it's got to be there. But Paul, Peter writes this. In your hearts, you set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared. Always be ready. Always be ready. As a Christian, we should always be ready. You see, because the testimony is not a sermon. Got to pre- you to prepare a sermon. You don't have to prepare. This just outflowing of your life. Let me just tell you how, made, how God became real to me. Let me just tell you what Jesus has done in me. In your heart, you set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared. Always be ready to give an answer to anyone who asks you. To give the reason for the hope that you have. Why why do you have a hope that you're going to go to heaven one day? Oh, let me tell you. Oh, I didn't believe it. One day I sat there and I heard the gospel. And all of a sudden, the craziest thing, all of a sudden, it was like a cloud of God came on me. And all of a sudden, I began to recognize how true this gospel was and how lost I was. And when I responded, it was like, oh, like I took a shower on the inside. All of a sudden, the guilt and the shame. Oh, let me tell you my story. You know, everyone's got a story. You know what I mean? Other, oh man, I grew up in church. Grew up in church, heard it, heard it, but didn't want it. Then finally, God began to deal. Every time I turn around, God began to. Oh, folks, always be ready to give an answer for the hope you have. Always be ready. You know, right again, that's right at, at the flea market, at the fly market, at the flea, where you're there, where you're at. Hey Amen. You're on the job. You're, you're at the diner, wherever you're at. Always be ready to tell someone, Hey, I once was blind, but now I see. I can't tell you a story, but I can tell my story pretty good. Amen. This is my story. It's real. See, we're not we're not trying to we're not memorizing something else. We're just pouring out what's been made real. So, again, always be prepared or ready to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Can you give a reason for the hope that you have? That's being a witness. Amen. That's being a testify. That's that's what we're doing. And when we do this, we do it with gentleness and respect. All right. We don't do it condemning people. Remember, we're witnesses, not prosecuting attorneys. Amen. We're just telling people what Jesus has done for us and what Jesus means to us. That's what Paul's talking about here. And if we're really going to be good witnesses, it's got to be something real. It's got to be something that can't be contained. Or it should be that way. Let's look at our next scripture. What's our next one? Is that in the book of Acts? In the book of Acts. I like this. I like this. I remember years and years ago, that great preacher E.V. Hill. Brother Hill's with the Lord now. But man, he could preach the stars down. And he began to preach Peter having a case of the can't help it. He had a case of the can't help It, so it says, sorry, leader. Sorry, governor. Sorry, rulers. I got a case of the can't help us. Can't help but tell you what I've seen and heard. And it says now, when they saw the courage of Peter and John, now, these are the Pharisees and Sadducees, those religious rulers. They saw the courage and realized these are unschooled, ordinary men. They were astonished, but you know what? They took note. They might not have been to the seminary, I mean, cemetery, seminaries. They, they might not. I was spitting that out, all that. You yeah. didn't, didn't go to that school. They're dry as dust, pale as course. No, no, no. They're unschooled. They're just ordinary men. They didn't come from the elite, you know, bishop so-and-so's lineage no but then they took note this is what makes all the difference in a life not a person's degrees not their natural family name have you been with jesus or not they took note these men had been with Jesus. See the bottom line there? They took note. These men had been with Jesus. They didn't take note that they've been a member for fifty years. Devil don't care about that membership. Didn't take note that grandpa laid the foundation. No, 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 no. Devil gets moved by that. You know what devil gets moved by? He knows if you've been with Jesus. He knows if you walk with God. Amen. He's not scared about what you can tell about grandma's faith, but if you got faith, amen. If you got a testimony, if you got a witness in your heart, if you can declare if it's real to you, it'll put him to flight. They took no; these men have been with Jesus, and that makes all the difference. They turn their world upside down. who what's the next verse we got? What else did I give you? Yeah, here we go. And they called them in again. They had done a great miracle, and after the great miracle, they were preaching Christ, and they got arrested. Said, so "We warned you not to preach Christ. Don't preach Jesus is alive. Don't preach. They don't like that. Devil don't like that." They called the men and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. These are the same men that had Jesus killed. These are men of real authority. Okay? But the Bible talks about Peter. Remember, he had been with Jesus. When you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, when you know him personally, there's a boldness in your life. There's a confidence in your life. Amen? You might not know all the Greek and Hebrew, and you might not know every answer, every crazy question, so on, but you know it's real. You know he's alive, and you can be bold. Amen? Next verse there. But Peter and John replied, I love it. Listen, folks, judge for yourself. Figure this one out. They might say, we don't have your education, Pharisees. We don't have your your position around here, um, Sadducees. But you figure this one out if you can. You judge for yourselves whether it's right in God's sight. To obey you rather than God. Amen. I can't get too deep on it. I don't want to get too much in a debate here. I like to keep it simple. Should I obey you or should I obey God? Anybody? Now, you don't say that unless you know them. Remember, these men have been with Jesus, so they're a different breed. They didn't just come in on grandma's testimony. They had their own testimony. You gotta have your own testimony, amen? And they didn't have a testimony ten years ago, now they're ice cold, you know, this, no, no, no. They walked with this Savior. They lived with this Savior. What's that next verse? Here it is. Here it is. Peter said, listen, you judge for yourself. I can tell you one thing. We can't help. i got a case that can't help it. We can't help speaking about what we as a witness, what we've seen and what we've heard. When they put you on the stand, want to know what did you see? What did you hear? What did you witness? Not what what did so-and-so say. Not what's the, what is the media saying. Don't care about that. A witness of someone. This is what I've experienced in Christ. This is what Jesus has done in my life. This is who Jesus means to me. And that person will have a boldness and a vibrancy. They'll witness. They'll lay hands on them in Walmart. Isn't it right? We do that. We do. We lay hands parking lots. We lay hands. Oh, my goodness. Why not? If, if, they, don't, if they don't mind, I don't mind. Isn't it right? Anybody else need to line them up? Line them up with the carts. This thing will work in Walmart. It, hey. If it don't work here, it's not going to work in Walmart. If it works here, it'll work in Walmart. Amen? Either he's alive or he's not alive. Either prayer works or prayer don't work. If it's just a ritual, you can have it. I'll go do something else. Amen? I'll get me one of them boats. What are them boats you guys around? You're flying on the water. Airboat. I'll get me an airboat if this don't work. But if it works, we'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. We'll cast out devils. We'll cast them out. We'll set people free. And we'll be bold in telling people Jesus is alive. Jesus is wonderful. Jesus is worthy. He loves you. He died for you. His blood can forgive you. He can make you a brand new man and a brand new woman. He can set you free of... Addictions, he can set you free of vices. He can kill that cancer. He can change your life. Why do you know? Because he's changed mine. He's changed. He changed. he change anybody's life? Yeah. We just witnessed it. I'm just telling a story. Amen. The wonderful thing about witnessing, you don't got to quote no one. You just quote yourself. You don't. It's your story. It's your story. Hallelujah. So Paul said, "This picture, I'm a witness." And we are witnesses. We testify of what Jesus means to us and what Jesus has done in us. Amen? Now, he's not only a witness, but the second, the next picture, the next picture, verse 25. Paul is a herald or or a preacher. Look look at verse 25. And now I, I know that none of you, that none of you among whom I have gone about preaching, preaching. That's the word we want to underline. Preaching the kingdom will ever... See me again. Therefore, I declare to you that I am innocent of the blood of all men. For I have not hesitated to preach or proclaim to you the whole counsel of God. Amen. Now, this is the word preaching. This is the word herald. Herald. A little different here. Uh, We are declaring what is written. We are declaring what is written. The word preaching means to declare a message as a herald, as a representative of the king. This is different. When I'm witnessing, I'm telling my story. As a preacher, I'm declaring his message. Different, different thing here. The witness tells what happened to him. I was in an accident, and this is what happened. Uh, I saw a crime, this is what I'm just telling you what happened here. But a herald tells what the king tells him to tell, to declare. See, back in the ancient days, those imperial messengers would go up and down the streets making their announcements. Remember growing up and seeing the, um, 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 what's that guy's name? Robin Hood. Remember Robin Hood? Remember all that? Sherwood Forest and all that? And when the guy come out with the scroll, I see Bugs Bunny now. He's got the scroll and he, and he um, hear ye, hear ye. It's a herald. And listen up. By the authority of king so and so and so and so and he'd go on for five minutes, Bugs Bunny. Remember that? And all the titles of the king. But by the authority of king. And he would declare the message. When this world asks us a question, we don't tell them, well, we took a poll and this is what we think. Uh, we, we're going to check Fox News and see what they say. No, not at all. We simply go and see, what did the king say? Because I'm a herald, you see. I'm, I'm going to go and say, well, you know, the king, here hear you hear you. The king of kings and the Lord of lords. He has said, thou shalt not do that. So I guess we don't do that. He said, you shall. So I guess we ought to. See what I'm getting at? Now here I'm just preaching this. I'm just I'm simply a spokesman now. I got no right to change it. I can't alter it. See, my testimony is my testimony. It's what he's done in my life. It's how I came to him. It's different. You see what I mean? But when it comes to preaching, he's given me the message. He didn't ask me to adjust it to suit your feelings. He didn't ask me to adjust it so it'd be nice with my generation. He says, preach it lovingly, preach it clearly, but don't you alter it. Oh. Hear ye, hear ye. We are called to tell others what the king has said. We are called, we're spokesmen to the king. Isn't that wonderful? Now, now if you're a timid in nature, that ought to help you. Because you can blame it all on the Lord. <laughs> I didn't make it up. I'm just a newsboy throwing it on your step. Amen? I'm just. It's what Jesus said. If you've got a problem, take it up with him. I'm just a messenger. I'm just a herald. I didn't make it up. But I will declare it confidently. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. The preacher, the herald, is declaring what is written. He is a man under orders, he is a man sent by the king, commissioned with a message. Sent with a message, and he must not change it in any way. Must not change it. So, as a witness, I'm telling my story. Amen? We all have different stories common theme is going to be grace. Because no matter if you grew up in church or you were out there living crazy, if you're saved, we've all got one common theme. It's by the grace of God, I am what I am. Amen? But now, as a preacher, as someone, we, we, we're telling them what the king said. What's your stance on this? Well, my stance is the Bible stance. What's the king say? Amen? You See, my, my stance is, why do you do this? Because the king says. Why don't you? Because the king says. We just herald what the king says. Now, why is this important? Why is this important? If you would, 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 5. 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 5. One key verse here, but I want you to get the whole context. Sometimes I look up the one verse, I say, man, all these other verses around it are so good and so juicy. You know what I mean? When something's juicy, you want to share it. Amen? Ain't that right? I'm not a cooker, but you know when you cook something good, you cookers, you want someone to taste it, don't you? Isn't that right? I, people know I'm a good eater, so good cookers like me, they, say, they cook it and they say, now try it, try it. I'm more than happy to try it. <laughs> I'll, try, I'll try that and a few other things. I mean, I, I like it, you know. And when I'm, when I'm cooking this meal, when I'm preparing this meal during the week and I begin to read a verse, oh, I can't just give them that verse. i got to give them the other verse, but this is juicy. So let's get all this together. Paul says, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead in view of His appearing. Jesus is going to judge us. Paul says, Timothy, I give you this charge. See, preachers got a command and commission from God. God's commissioned us. And to, and to reject that commission or to somehow abuse that commission is a terrible, terrible sin. What's the charge? What's the big thing? Paul, you're sounding so scary. What is it? Preach the word. Does they preach Politics. Didn't preach self-help. Didn't say that. He says, preach the Word. Isn't that good? I mean, there's a place for rah-rah. There's a place for, you know, there's a place for your, go to your business seminars. There's a place for that. But when it comes to the Gospel of Jesus Christ, the house of God, the church of God, amen, then it's preach the Word. Isn't that simple? Preach the Word. That's why we like to give the Word. Give the Scripture. Give the Word. Don't, don't preach men's traditions. Preach the word. Don't preach the latest political twist. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Rebuke and courage with great patience and careful. Instruction. Paul, why are, you so, why are you so radical about this? Paul, why, why, why are you stressing this? Why are you? I mean, Paul, turn t- it down, Paul. You're always intense. Paul, why are you so intense? What does verse 3 tell us? for the times coming and guess what it's here when men will not put up a sound doctrine instead to suit their own desires they'll gather around themselves a great number of teachers to say what the itching ears want to hear you see the preacher is commissioned to declare what the king has said but the people want to hear what they want to hear and so you've got a struggle going on and they'll find some false they'll just tell them what they want to hear but the true the true he's bound to the book he's bound to the book He's bound to the book, amen. Whether you're on the east coast, you're bound to the book. When you go out to the west coast, where they call it the land of—no, I won't say that—but you're bound to the book, isn't that right? I mean, you're in the north, you're bound to the book. You're in the south, bless our hearts, you're bound to the book. Are you with me? You with you with the teenagers? You're. Thank you. Let's try that again. With the old folks, you're. You're bound to the book. Bound to the book. They'll turn their ears away from truth. Truth is found in the book. And they turn aside to myths. Myths sound exciting. Myths kind of have, you know, but they're not real. They're not genuine. They're made up. They're false. Number five, but you. Just because people won't like it, just because the taste buds of many run somewhere else, where, you know, appease me. Just make me feel comfortable in the life I choose to live. And what do we talk about a lot here? The the God of convenience. We'll talk about Jesus, and we. But when he when Jesus becomes inconvenient, all right. But you, if you're a preacher, and everyone has this job as a believer to share what the Bible says. One of our tasks, what He's done for us. The other task, this is what the Bible says. How do you feel about this issue? Well, you know, I've been studying the Bible. And this is what the Bible says. This is what the King says. Don't you have a mind of your own? I do. And I gave it to Jesus. And oh, my mind so much better now that I gave it to Jesus. Amen? I mean, since He's renewed it and He's washed it and He's put His Spirit in it, whoo, glory to God. But you, you keep your head in all situations. That means there's going to be some pressure in this. There's going to be some attacks in this. Endure hardship. He's telling Timothy, endure hardship. Just because you're a preacher, don't don't mean no. They're going to shoot at you if you're a good one. They shoot at you. Do the work of an evangelist. Try to win them souls. Call them Jesus. Call them to salvation. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. Hallelujah. Very quickly. Very quickly. Second Corinthians. 4, 1 through 5. 2 Corinthians 4, 1 through 5. But remember, what are we going to preach? We preach the Word. Amen? Preach the Word. How do you make a decision? What's the Word say? How do I make a judgment of right and wrong? What's the Bible say? And are you glad God gave you a book? Can you imagine we had to figure everything out? We've got to go to the book. We're preachers. What are we going to preach? What are we going to preach? We're preaching the word. And I'll tell you in just a couple of verses here what that word is going to emphasize over and over again. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we we don't lose heart. We're not going to lose heart. We're privileged to be able to preach the word. We're privileged to be able to tell people what God's word says. And you know what? We've renounced secret and shameful ways. We're not trying to do anything just to get people. We don't use deception. We don't distort the word of God. Amen. We rightly divide the word of truth. We handle the Bible properly. We don't distort the Word of God. On the contrary, instead of watering it down, we set forth the truth plainly. How do I commend myself to every man's conscience? I set forth the truth plainly. They don't have to accept it, but at least they've heard it clearly. everyone Everyone ought to be able to make their own decision about Christ, having heard it clearly, in a way they can understand it. see that next verse. And even if our gospel is veiled, if people don't get it and, 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 and it's so real to you and, and it's so powerful to you. Remember, even if the gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. Why, why can't they understand it? Why are they so blind to it? Why can't they seek Jesus like we see Jesus? Well, Paul goes on to say, well, you know what? The God of this age has actually blinded the mind of unbelievers. Isn't that the truth? Have you ever seen? I mean, just. So they cannot see the light. That's why we pray, and that's why we witness, and we do our best. There's a spiritual battle going on. And quite frankly, that's why for a season, maybe in your life, you heard things and you said, stupid. They're nuts. You can have it if you want, not me. And then all of a sudden, one day, it's like, My goodness. Wow. It makes sense. What have I been doing these last 10 years? You know? Because all of a sudden, the blinders came off. The God of this age is blind to the mind of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel, of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. But remember, we're preachers. This is what we preach. This is what we preach. For we do not preach ourselves, right? We're not preaching a denomination. We're not preaching a, a personality cult. We're, we're, we're not preaching, again, politics, self-help. We preach Jesus Christ is Lord. If you're going to preach the Word, I'll tell you what, the emphasis of the Word is Jesus. Calling men to Jesus. Exalting Jesus. Helping people to know Jesus better. To love Jesus more. To be stronger in their most holy faith. I love that. We do not preach ourselves. What do we preach? Jesus Christ as Lord. Not just as a teacher or a miracle worker, but as Lord and Master and King. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Amen? Alright. And ourselves, we're servants for Jesus' sake. Our preaching is exalting Christ, making man be as invisible as we can. All right? All right. Let's go to the last one now. Let's go to the last one. The last picture he gives us is really the most dynamic, the most dramatic of the whole group, and it's one of a watchman, of a watchman. Let's read with me, if you would, verses 26 through 28. Let's just look at this. It's the last picture or description Paul gives of a minister and really of a faithful believer is one of a watchman. Therefore, I declare to you today I'm innocent of the blood of all men. I've not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole counsel of God. Keep watch over yourselves and over all the flock which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be a shepherd of the church of God which you bought with his own blood. But watch, watch over yourselves and watch all the flock the Holy Spirit has made you a watchman. A watchman over. A watchman. Now this, this description refers, of course, in the Bible times, to the watchman on the walls of the city. They'd stay up late at night. They'd be watching. you bar that city down. If you would, Ezekiel 3, 16 through 21. Ezekiel 3. Going back to that prophet Ezekiel. Being a watchman is very important. Amen? Being a watchman. That watchman falls asleep, you know. You hear them stories back in some of the wars. If that watchman fell asleep, entire units would get slaughtered. If he fell asleep, the enemy can walk right in. When that watchman in a home, when that watchman in a church falls asleep, hell can walk right through the door. When that watchman is not paying attention, man, you just walk through the door. A watchman, very important. There needs to be um, watchmen on the walls of your heart, your mind, your home, those entrusted to your life. Ezekiel 3 and 16. At the end of seven days, the word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. So hear the word I speak and give them warning from me. And that watchman's got to be alert to hear what's going on. And then he's got to be faithful to speak the warning to those that are in danger. Someone doesn't love you if they see you in danger and they don't say anything, right? Amen? I mean, you know, here you are. We're driving. You know, we're we're taking a long trip. We're going somewhere, anywhere. Let's just go. And we're driving. And um, all of a sudden, you know, you start nodding off. And I see that car going off. And, well, gee, gee, I'd hate to wake him up. He's sleeping so good. I mean, you know, I mean, poor guy. Been working all them double shifts. He needs his rest. I mean, I'm not going to... I'm not gonna I i do not want him to get mad at me now. He might get mad at I don't wanna I don't wanna be a too startling. I don't wanna you know, oh, you know you now for a minute, right? Wake up <laughs> Driving home from college one time, driving home from Elam, my buddy Alan, Pastor Allen was here. And he yeah, had one of those little lacars, cars, that little, little French thing. You put it in your back pocket. You put it in your, in your pickups. You can put it in your glove compartment. Amen. That little. little and, and we're driving and we're on the thruway, New York thruway, and going, going back home. And it's late. It's always late. You know, studying. You have all your finals. You haven't slept, it seems like, in days. Just studying all night. Taking. And we're driving. And all of a sudden, yeah, I feel that car going. Gradually, just going over. And he's, hey, Hey, Al. Hey, Al. By that third time, Alan! Bam! <laughs> right on. Here we go. You go 75 miles an hour. Pretty soon you're We're off. Well, I mean, you know, some people, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't want to startle them. No, watchmen. Once you see the danger, you've got to, it's your duty to wake people up and to warn people clearly. Amen? Because look, at, I mean, this is not coming from me. God says this. Watch this. God says, you, you speak and give them warning. When I say to a wicked man, you shall die, and you, watchman, don't warn him or speak out or dissuade him from his evil ways in order to save his life. It sounds harsh. It sounds abrasive, but it's to save his life. That wicked man will die for his sin, but you know what? I'll hold you accountable for his blood. Isn't that scary? God said, you're not faithful to speak when you see it. I'm going to hold you accountable. Wow. But if you do warn the wicked man and he doesn't turn from his wickedness or from his evil ways, he'll die for his sin, but you'll save yourself. God says, you'll be right with me. Just do your part. It's not up to you to make them turn. It's up to you to warn them that if you keep going that way, you're going to crash. Again, when a righteous man turns from his righteousness and does evil, and I put a stumbling block before him, he'll die. And since you didn't warn him, he'll die for a sin. Again, you see, because you didn't warn him, the righteous thing he did will not be remembered. Remember, it's not how you start, but it's how you. And I will hold you accountable. Watchmen's important. First person I got to watch is. Because if I'm slumbering, I can't keep good watch over you, can I? If the parents are half spiritually asleep, they're going to have a hard time watching the welfare of the others. So i got to watch. Then not the Proverbs say, watch or guard your heart with all diligence? Isn't that right? So i got to watch my own heart. i got to watch what comes into my own mind. But then I've got to watch those God's entrusted to me. Those that He's put under my umbrella. i got to be a watchman. It's, it's, it's a dangerous age, isn't it? There's so many ways the enemy is deceptive and he tries to influence and he tries to deceive. And so a faithful watchman has got to be alert. Isn't that true? A faithful watchman, it's part of your duty to be alert. Because if you fall asleep, it's so easy for the enemy to get in and start doing his thing. A serious call to be a watchman. He had to stay awake and alert and be ready to sound the alarm if he saw danger approaching. He had to be faithful, not fearful, because the safety of many rested with him. Look how sobering responsibility that is. I would hear those stories, um, sometimes some of the wars, where the person that was supposed to uh, guard, be watching fell asleep and the whole unit got overrun. Well, I've seen, I've seen parents backslide. They decided water skiing was more important than Sunday school and in the house of God. And I watched entire families get overrun. Because the enemy just came in of that influence. That influence just swallowed them up. But the faithful watchman, you know, carries out their diligence and their duty. Paul had been a faithful watchman. He had declared the whole counsel of God to saints and to sinners alike. He warned the church. He dealt with what was needed to be dealt with. Now, I got just a little bit of time. Now we got to be. There's a reason to be faithful. There's a reason to be faithful. And how am I a watchman? By being alert and being diligent, being sensitive. Look at a couple things, real quick, real quick. We'll just go through this. Second Timothy three one through five. Why is it important that you and I, as leaders of our homes, leaders in a church? that we are faithful and diligent and we'll walk that we're sensitive because, hey, there's an enemy out there. And, and they, they, as watchmen, we've got to be able to sound that alarm. We've got to be able to, oh, the, the window, that window wasn't locked. We better lock that window. Amen? Paul writes, but mark this. Write this down. Mark this. There will be perilous or terrible times in the last days. You know, the Bible says there will be terrible times in the last days. Perilous, and that word in the Greek, terrible, perilous. King James, perilous. It's on the same words that I think it's Mark or Matthew used to describe the two demon possessed men. Ravaged, ravaging times, wicked times, in these last days. People and here, this characterizes. This is why we got to be alert and keep keep ourselves. People, lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive. Disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. This is what characterizes the times we live. And, you know, and some will still be religious, but they won't be righteous. Because the last verse says, you know what? Verse five: having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with them. From such, turn away. And the watchman recognizes that. It might look good, but it's hollow. It has a form, but the substance isn't there. When we measure it on that scale, we get that word out. Amen? Oh, no, 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 no. The characteristics. Look, if you would, uh, 1 Timothy 4, 1 and 2. 1 Timothy 4, 1 and 2. This is, this is why we have to be faithful in watching. be alert. Be alert. Be alert. Get, get, know your Bible. Study your Bible. Live holy. Live holy. You know it's a whole lot easier to avoid temptation than it is to resist temptation. Right? Isn't that true? If you're not with someone, you won't... You know. If I want to lose a pound or two, it's a whole lot easier if she just doesn't bake half a dozen beautiful tall house chocolate chip cookies. Mmm. You might do good at the 7 o'clock news. You might do good at 8 o'clock news. Soon o'clock, 10 o'clock comes. and Oh, just happened to be walking by the kitchen. Just one and that cold milk. Mm. Bless my heart. Forget your heart. Bless my heart right here. Amen. And it's never just one. And chocolate chip cookies are like them ladies potato chips. You can't have one. Amen. But if it wasn't there, but if it wasn't there, I never would have succumbed. See, even spiritually, you can work smarter, harder. You can live a way position yourself for victory, not defeat. Amen? I mean, we live in a fallen world, so there's always temptations, but we can be smarter in the way we plan our lives and the way we do things to alleviate. Amen? I (laughs) I mean, there's certain people... Oh, let's not go down that road. Anyway... The Spirit clearly says, the Spirit's telling us that in the last days, these latter times, people are going to abandon the faith. I mean, people that once knew the faith, people that once loved the faith, oh, watchmen, be alert, watchmen, be at your duty station. I mean, people that once grew up in it and knew it and were taught it and believed it will abandon it. Oh, my. They don't do it overnight. I never forget. Years ago, sometimes you hear a message and you remember it. I can. I remember this one sermon title. It had to be forty. No, no, thirty plus years ago. Twenty-five. Whenever I was in college, and um, as the man said he preached a message. Adam, where's your wife? He talked about Eve getting deceived. But his whole emphasis was God's man was not where he should have been as a watchman. Man, what a twist! Amen. Of course, back in those days, in your eighteen, nineteen, I didn't hear a lot. But you know, uh, even now I look back and say, well, that's a good thought. That whole story. Where, where's Adam? Where, where's Adam? When the enemy's trying to deceive the wife and the enemy's trying to wear her down, where's Adam? Where's the watchman? When the enemy's at the gate. you your duty station, watchman. The Spirit clearly says in the last days, people will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Now, we're not talking demon worship. This stuff's on the ABC News. I mean, this is, you know, this is the Supreme Court. There votes that some of this stuff is okay. See, just because man says it's okay doesn't mean that it's not instigated by hell. But the, the watchman is someone that got that word of God in him. Amen? So you know what you're looking at. So you know what you're sensing. You know, they, they tell me, I, I never, you know, I, I never worked in a bank. And, you know, I just, I mean, I can't remember last time I've done anything with the banking. Hey Amen. I got a nice wife. She takes care of everything. I get my coffee money and that's about it. And I'm so cheap. I'm so cheap. This $20 bill been in this bottle for about six months. So it just don't, you know, I just don't. I mean, that's how it is. Amen. But um, they tell me when, when you work at that bank, they don't give you 500 different types of phony currency. They just give you the real stuff, so much of the real, so much. You get so used to the real thing that if they slide one phony bill in there, oh, hang on. If you get enough of that word in you, I mean, you'll get enough of Holy Ghost in you. You'll be a man, a woman of prayer. I'm telling you, you'll be so sensitive to things that when junk comes, you'll say, man, uh, I can't put my finger on something not right here. That's the watchman. It's time out. Stop. I better pray about this. Something, not, something don't smell right. Anyone saying nothing doesn't smell right? But, but, but if you don't get that word in you, amen? if you're not hiding the word in your heart and it's not renewing your mind, isn't that true? I'll tell you something. I've had you know, Brother Angel helps me so much. he's such a blessing with, my, with our cars and stuff in different churches. God's always blessed me. He must know I'm ignorant. And so he always blesses me with, with, with good guys that know about cars. And I've seen guys that I have a problem and I say, well, I'm going to open the hood. Don't worry about the hood. Just start it. He'd sit like for me to you, Andrea. He'd find out more just listening for about twenty seconds. than me with that crazy little manual, can't figure out nothing. It's written in Greek, Hebrew, everything else. Looking under here, I can't find a thing. All I know is it sounds like it's choking someone, it's killing someone under there. Why? Because they, most of these guys have spent their life with cars. Grew up around cars. They know every sound, they know every feel. They know, oh, oh I don't like the way that sounds what do you mean like the way sound? I couldn't hear nothing. I don't I didn't know better. So what are you trying to sell me? No, but you know what I'm saying. You get in that word, ain't that right? That's one thing I love about growing up in a Bible church. I grew up in a Bible church. We were just simple, simple Pentecostals. You know what I mean? We knew God. They knew God. I'm telling you, they knew God. Things would come down. We'd be teenagers. I said, I don't know about that. My church believes that whole book. I never heard about that. It's not right there. Just as a kid. But when you're around it so much, you just get used to the real so much. Then when something phony comes, some alarm goes off. Isn't that right? So you've got to get that book in you. Hide that word in your heart. Let it renew your mind. Stay full of the Holy Ghost. Amen? If there's nothing good on that radio, pray in the Spirit while you're driving. I mean, some of these crazy places, you better really pray in the Spirit. Amen? I mean, pray in, <laughs> pray in, pray in the Spirit. But I stay full of God. And the more full of God, we're more sensitive. We can be good watchmen. Isn't that right? Glory to God. Hallelujah. Oh, glory. I'll finish with a story. But I, I like it and I want to tell it. And um, about being a watchman, I think it was Brother Weir'sby that wrote down a story, probably from the 50s back in that day. A group of servicemen asked their new chaplain um, if he believed in a real hell for lost sinners. And he smiled and told them he did not. The men replied, well, then you're wasting your time. Because if there's no hell, we don't need you. And if there is a hell, you're leading us astray. Either way, we're better off without you. That chaplain wasn't a very good watchman, was he? He wasn't caring about the souls. You know. And I think it's very important be a watchman. Be a watcher of your life. Amen? Guard your own heart, your own mind. Amen. Stay close to Jesus, folks. But then watch those that God's entrusted to you. Watch your home. Make sure it glorifies God. Pray over your home. Lately I just when I pray for the families, I just were praying, Lord, every family, let there be peace, joy, and righteousness. As every family, Lord, let your peace, joy, and righteousness just fill every home. Fill every family. Fill every marriage. Fill every relationship, parents and kids. I just, that's just how, that's my, the thing, I've, I, that's my vein lately. I've just been flowing with that. But I mean, when, when you pray, Lord, fill our home with your presence. And Father, help me. Help me to be a better parent. Help, help me, Lord, if there's something I need to be seeing. Help me, Lord. You know? So the enemy can't. Wow. Amen. Amen. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the example of the Apostle Paul. We thank you for these descriptions for they not only describe Paul the Apostle, but they describe true believers, faithful believers in the Lord Jesus. And that's us. That's us. Help us, Lord, to apply these truths to our lives. Help us to be sincere and faithful witnesses. Always to be ready to tell the story. To tell someone about the hope we have in our hearts. To tell people what Jesus has done in us and what Jesus means to us. To talk about that grace that has changed our lives. And Lord, help us to be preachers. Now, Lord, we might not be preachers behind a pulpit, but we're heralds of the King. If we're saved, we're heralds of the King. And whenever there's a question, help us to be men and women of the book. That we simply go to the book and we see what the King has said. And we boldly, without apology, declare what the King has said. And lastly, Lord, help us be good watchmen. There's an enemy out there It goes around like a roaring lion. He's looking to devour and to deceive. But Lord, help us to be found faithful in our duty. To be responsible men and women of God that are faithful watchmen. That take good care of those you've entrusted to us. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. God bless you. Don't forget the offering plates are in the back. Have a great week. We'll see you on Sunday.